Okay, I hit record. I'm looking at the record button. It is recording. <laughs> Do you want to tell the people what happened, Andre? My Mac ran out of space, and the recording thingy stopped recording without telling me because it ran out of space. It's the worst feeling. Anybody's doing a podcast knows this. You're looking at this stupid record button, and if it's flashing and it's all good and whatever, it's all fine. And then once in a while, you look at it. And it's not on, and you're like, how much time did I lose, and why? I don't know what's happening. It's whatever. Anyway, we had a whole riveting conversation about how Macs are awful, and Ian agreed with me completely. And that was <laughs> We can't go back to it, though, because it's like you can't rehab that conversation. It would just be – just wouldn't work. So we're going to move on. I'm surprised – you haven't pushed recording onto me yet because all the flack you get about your recording mess ups, you just take it like a champ and you you push on. You don't say, hey, why don't you record the next one? The trick is not giving a shit. <laughs> hey, that's not nice. <laughs> if you don't give a shit about what people say to you or about the recording bit of the actual podcast, then uh, it's fine. <laughs> you don't care about the recording of the podcast? That's like an yeah. oxymoron there. I have the conversation. I get what I need out of it. <laughs> <laughs> See, everybody, you're just listening in on a normal conversation. We would have anyway, which is actually... You know. um, listen, I have, this, I, have this, uh, I have these programs sometimes, uh, applications that totally make me feel like a dork. And one of these is this uh, Disk Inventory X have you tried I, this thing? I think I have that or something similar to it. It gives you like a visual of, uh, you know, your biggest storage files. And it does it in this tetris way of the biggest ones are actually the big blocks oh, of nice. same color. It's great. I just mess around with it. It's deleting shit all over the place, <laughs> whether it needs to be deleted <laughs> or not. Okay, go on. That's, uh, that's how you just cleared up space so we can record. Yes. Yeah. You got to have one of those utilities. Ten, those ten utilities gigs of X, X code logs. Wonderful. Great programming <laughs> Apple. Because somebody might want to look through those 10 gigs sure. of logs and find what's wrong. Sure. Every, every build of, of everything that I've done for the past two years or whatever, I need that because <laughs> <laughs> that's how programmers do their jobs. People do get logs, though. To just counter that slightly, you know, people are very people who are touchy about logs are very touchy about their logs. Well, it's just administrators on servers and stuff like that. But you think regular people, it's okay. I mean, it's just so terrible. Xcode and iTunes. I, it's like a race to like uh, the worst iTunes. piece of software ever written. Oh, iTunes is brutal. It's like whenever you click an MP3 and you don't like right click and force it to open, or open something quick time else. or something <laughs> and then it's always the iTunes you're like no and then on top of that you know it's going to be in your iTunes library even though that's the last thing you would want it's like just some random mp3 but now it's buried in your actual library someplace it doesn't just play it it inserts right, it into your library it some, yeah yeah that's it's every I don't yeah but whatever for like a month I was a subscriber to Apple Music and you can't even find like the you can't find anything. You can't tell when you're in Apple Music versus when you're in my library. And like the search, you have to select which one. The whole thing is completely insane. Well, I'm glad you're at least uh, rationally selective about what Apple stuff you like and what you don't as opposed to <laughs> I me. I just put a blanket, this is shit statement all over everything that Apple makes or does. See, but I don't believe you because you don't switch to Windows. I can't. I, I, I mean, I can't. Like all somewhat. my income comes from this Mac, so... I, 
Yeah, I guess the iOS development, you're kind of stuck. They don't, they don't let you do I, that. Every month, I go looking for somebody who's like, fuck the police and does a Mac version on a, on a non-Mac hardware and sells it to me directly so I don't have to do anything about it. Nobody does it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they, they write specs and they put up guides and they put up you know dossiers of uh, which hardware components work with which other hardware components and only sometimes blue screen or whatever, gray screen and... That's not what I want. I want something that runs. Yeah, this is a development machine. I'm not fucking around with it. I want it to run. I'll pay you double what you think it's <laughs> worth, but I want it to be stable. And nobody's yep. doing that. Well, it's fine. Whatever. Apple. None of them. Yeah. They're not stable. Yeah. And, no way. You know, yeah, they can't sell it. And, and as per the conversation that we just had and lost, because this machine <laughs> wouldn't let me record it, Apple refuses to make anything good for developers as new replacements go. So. Stuck at a certain point in one or two years, this air will be unusable. It's already reaching there, um, as for development at least. And then I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. Wait, you're on an air or a pro? Air. Oh my goodness, that's insane. That's what I got. That's what I have. Oh my I'm not- goodness. You have to upgrade that like today. You're being ridiculous. ridiculous. I I do have two more days to do write-offs. Yes. I don't know what a write-off is, but I got (laughs) it. Listen, part of the conversation was that I think you should get an iMac. You claim on your giant L desk you don't have any room for another computer. But if you're not going to do iMac, which I think you should do is the best value, then you should just go down there and get another MacBook Pro and – get a macbook pro not an air not a macbook and then you will be happy oh here's the thing here's the thing here's the i don't know how much of this will make sense without people hearing the the long lost conversation but whatever if the macbook (laughs) air screen will take hdmi input with sound then i could iMac you mean the iMac yeah then i could get rid of the the tv and put consoles in there i strongly doubt that's possible but that would make that would give me room for an iMac. I'm I'm searching. Let's see. I, I, there's a question about this on the Xbox One forum. You know the the video maybe, but it's not going to take HDMI audio. What mm-hmm. is it going to play it out of? I mean, oh, it does have built-in speakers, right? Yes, it does. Uh, oh, but then actually, I don't even need that because I take uh, I hook up my headphones directly into the controller into the console, so I just need the video. Maybe it'll work. You there's no there's no target display mode, but um, there is a you can use. Uh, hmm, I don't know. It's not really clear. I'm like glaring at this record button right now. I'm like daring it to turn <laughs> off. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on. This, you guys can listen to me read. Um, can I connect a PS4 to an iMac 5K? All right, that's the question we have. Um, the very helpful form answer is to contact <laughs> Sony support. Okay, uh-huh. that's that's all that there is for that. Uh, it's not looking too good. I'm very. I'll take a look. Thing to do to allow you. You to gave me a glimmer of hope. I'll take a look. I don't know. I this this what is my primary development Mac is not cutting it. Well, it's an air. I mean, you're going to, you get a, even just the MacBook Pro, you're going to be blown away. You're going to be, this is way faster than your three-year-old air. It's not even retina. It's not even speed. It's like more than anything, it's the resolution because it's so hard to code on. I mean, I, I, I send this stuff over to the 30 inch over this cable that I bought from Apple because the air doesn't actually 
drive the 30 inch because it's incapable of right. running that resolution. So I had to go to Apple's store and find this cable that it literally, they told me we don't, ha we don't make such a thing. And I'm like, here's on a website. It says you have one and he goes digging around the back. He pulls it out. It's covered with dust. <laughs> it's $99, but it's the cable that piggybacks off an additional USB input to be able to drive a 2560 by 1600 resolution and a 30 inch monitor from an air that otherwise oh, does not run that that's insane so if this one cable goes i'm screwed <laughs> because i shouldn't make that anymore plus and you don't have retina resolution you need at least retina resolution on the mac on the mac itself you won't have it on the 30 inch but at least then you would have it on the mac itself well i don't i don't code on the mac because of the resolution because xcode doesn't work at all on this hair so i mean it does but it's you can't see it you can see 12 lines of code <laughs> but i mean you also need the retina in this of it so for what just to well, first of all, the text is clear, but also then like, you know, you're putting these on a retina devices. So this way you can actually see what the Apple, you know, the Xcode is going to be more accurate in its uh, simulators and stuff. Well, the Xcode scale and for the the desktop stuff that I do for a Mac with retina, there's a, a, there's a retina fake thing you could do in resolution and system preferences, which gives you a resolution of like 10 by 10, but it's right. all retina. You can scroll around or right. whatever. Yeah, but you could at least see whether the icons are fuzzy or not. <clears throat> this is the worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this might be the worst thing you've ever said on this entire podcast. This is all your income. I don't all like giving Apple money. I don't thing. like. You have to go there right now. I'm tempted to leave my office right this second, <laughs> drive to your house, and take you to the Apple store, uh, which is like a two-hour drive. But I'm going to do it. Oh, two-hour drive from your house. Yeah. Yeah. Like a six-hour drive. I also drive. I also hate driving. <laughs> well, if you hurry, you could order it today, and it could just arrive to you in your house if you prefer. Uh, we'll see. I don't know. I don't. I'm. You have to buy a computer right now. Computers are different. I just bought a computer. I bought an awesome gaming desktop, all customed out. It's wonderful. I don't want to give money to Apple. That's a completely different issue. You're gonna get, you're killing yourself with this ridiculous <laughs> setup. It's it's isn't it making you insane? That just having a more modern computer could at least let you have more screen real estate, proper resolution, faster speed. You're on an air, Butov, an air. The thing is that I keep hoping that the need to use the Mac for development work goes away. <laughs> but for the last four years, <laughs> all of it has been mostly iOS work from clients. Well, I think that bad away so well i was hoping it would switch over well, i don't know what i'm hoping for everything like, sucks <laughs> i was gonna be like now you can do everything on windows i don't know uh, let's see that well they stopped caring they might as well give out the licenses they should but they're not going to do that either because they know at the end of the day you're going to pay them the three to four thousand dollars to go get that machine but you're just going to have to do that Putov. you're just going to have to do it <laughs> all right so what have you been up to i have a question for you yes sir since you know about games, and we're going, we're going now. We're moving from one off-topic thing to the next off-topic thing. That's what you've been uh, up to. No, yes, I actually have been up to some gaming. Now, listen, here's what I don't like. I'm blaming you for this. Got my son actually with uh, some money he got. He bought his own fifty-dollar game, which I was very mm -hmm. impressed with. Um, NBA Two K Seventeen, whatever. Mm -hmm. I know it's not your style of game. I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. When I was a kid and you had a basket, you push the X or the O or the circle or 
to shoot the basketball. Now right? you're talking about that's how you shoot. You're talking about just to be clear, this would be like NBA Jam. <laughs> but now, now you have to have like a four-hour training session before you can even play. You have to 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 shoot. You have to take the stick and go backwards and forwards, or you can go forwards and backwards for a different type of shot, or you could do like slightly from the right to slightly to the upper left, and you know all these different ones do like you know use your left hand, use your right hand, you know dunk right. backwards shoot this way bank shot but like can't the computer just do that for me i just want to hit the button and have it shoot and it do the appropriate shot for where i'm standing and if i'm running and all these things why am i having to choose to do a left-handed finger roll i don't know like, I, i don't have an answer to your question because i the nba jam was my last sports game. <laughs> I really I don't play sports games at all. I have no idea. But are you know, real games all... like this? Are real games like this with the crazy controls? Uh yeah. Sort of, yeah. I mean, you played The Last of Us. The Last of Us isn't the easiest uh, controlling thing in the world. You have that inventory wheel that opens up. You kind of have to manage it mid action, mid fight or mid encounter. Yeah. yeah. That's stupid too. And that wasn't the most complex. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's I'd rather have more plus. I don't like the thumb wheel. I don't want to use it my thumbs first. I always want to use my thumbs for running and turning my head and stuff like that. I don't want to use the thumbs to do stuff. Stuff should be on buttons. Um, don't you think? Action buttons should be actions like I'm grabbing something, I'm shooting something. I, well, they're, they're usually for camera and movement, and that's the all. thumbs are for camera and movement right. usually, right? Yeah, right. That's what it should be. Except for when you open up something like a context, like inventory wheel, then you select. Yeah, that's okay. Thumb, right. As opposed to this, where you're saying like he throws with his left hand and right hand is like, depending on which you which button which side you flick or something. Well, it depends. It's always the right thumb, but it's you know you can since that's a completely circular controller, right? Like I could start it at the lower right, you know, right. and move it to the upper left. As or as, oppo- as opposed to what? Like in the original, original in the older games, it would be like you would pass to the either the closest receiver. Is receiver the right word for basketball? Uh, Uh, I wouldn't say receiver, but anyway, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the player. closest, the closest other player on your team, or you would cycle with one button and then pass with another button to confirm something like that, right? No, But then those are sh- games like the three-on-three hockey game with the fat guy, the thin guy, and the medium oh, guy. That's <laughs> the best. But they're going for realism. This is 2K17 basketball. I so. Oh, I hate the realism. I haven't played any of those. I mean, they're 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 consistently. Popular, they're not consistently consistently well re- reviewed, but you got the Maddens every year, you got the two like Ks every year, right? Um, Maddens are better. They don't have like, a lot of competition. I did learn the control. I mean, I learned it and it's fine, but feel felt overly. I mean, Mad- Madden's got gotta be complicated, isn't it? It's not just it press can be. X. To- I mean, I like it though. You see, the thing with Madden is that you can ignore all the complication. That's the thing. They've done a pretty good job with that. Like, if you just want to push X to hike, and then okay, if you're it's a pass play, like you know, triangle is one receiver, and the X is another receiver, and the circle is another receiver, whatever. And 
you know, you could just do that and the guy catches it and you run. And yes, you could juke and this and all this. There's all kinds of stuff you can do if you memorize the 48 options of the controller. But if you don't want to do any of that and you just want to push the buttons to like do the standard actions, then you could still do that without anything fancy. Well, the basketball game's got to have an easy mode for that too. Like an easy, you know what? This is how long ago was the last time I played a football game on a, on a video game that when I realized that now you choose receivers with three separate buttons right. that's like a revelation <laughs> like that's not how we did it at yeah, all you're like can you cycle through the people I'm like what's he talking about cycle through the people. uh yeah 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 you uh this year's hasn't been the best year for 2k basketball last year was better it also had a stupid spikely uh directed story mode but it was a better game from what i hear than this year um i could see that um, weird stuff now. Now I, I like, should I let the kids play it? Like now, now my son's sure. that like he gets text messages from it. No, but there's like this whole oh. like you're living the life of an NBA player aspect that he's been playing, which I haven't really researched yet. But where like it's text messaging you in the app, and mm-hmm. yeah, they have a doing, fake they have a fake Twitter in there now, or right, yeah, Facebook. Or like, like, you're like living this life inside there. I don't know. It's all kind of weird. There is a cool street basketball mode where you're playing on like a nice street court and you can play one-on-one or two-on-two or three-on-three. Right. Uh, so that's actually really cool. That we actually like better than the actual game in some ways. But Those were like, fun. Like back in the Genesis era, they had a bunch of street basketball games. Yeah. Like there was a Barkley one. There was one with like Jordan versus uh, Bird or something. Those were good right. games. Anyway, we're old. <laughs> and your Speaking son should old, play whatever's not old. Another game I played recently, which – this got me for like a good hour, and I want to go back to it. I haven't had a chance yet. But a, some crazy, crazy bastard remade Load Runner mm. in the browser. So it's just like an HTML5 app, and it's perfect. It's exactly Load Runner. It worked <laughs> perfectly. It's amazing. This is like the fourth time you bring it up. I have to put it in the show notes now. They put <laughs> they put this Load Runner thing in the show notes. It's so good. I love the Load Runner. Oh, it's great. Do you know there's an entire um the Wayback Machine or whatever it is, the archives.org, whatever that website is that yeah. stores everything. They they keep an entire library like NES and SNES and Genesis things or whatever that you could play in the browser. Yeah. You could go explore. I don't like any of those. They're they don't have the feel of like Maybe that's the controller. what it is. I, I was for a while uh using I think it's an app called like Boxer. Yeah. Which is like a simulator mm-hmm. for those old old PC DOS games. Yeah, and they don't they don't like, feel right. It doesn't feel right. Yeah, I download a bunch of games and like I'm trying to play the game, but it's like it's on the computer. I'm using the keyboard. It's something that's not right. It should be. It's the, it is the game I played, but it doesn't. feel <laughs> I'll right. I'll tell you something else. It doesn't feel right. Not just because of that. Um, I have uh, I bought like an arcade kit, which is like mm-hmm. a bunch of boards and and shit. And I built a mini arcade. It's like the size of a. How do you describe it? It's the size of a, like if you have a twenty-four inch monitor, it's, size, it's like the size of that, right? Really? It's not tiny, but it's not a full-size arcade thing. Mm. So I put it together. It took me like a month. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hardware, the wires, and it's not like putting together a computer. Stuff doesn't fit. Because right. there's holes that don't align it, <laughs> and then you could put a whole bunch of emulator games on it. It's driven by like a Raspberry Pi type of a thing, and I don't use it and I don't play it because all of these emulating things, uh, 
So you went to the store and you bought a $60 game and you played the hell out of that $60 game because that's what your mom got you for Christmas and that's what you have to play with and you beat it 100 times and he's going to still beat it more and more to beat your score and whatever. That's a special thing. Now you could download Load Runner and a thousand other things and just open up a menu with the click of a button and choose from a thousand other things. Right. So your attention span is going to be like all over the place. You're going to spend five seconds on whatever you thought was going to give you this nostalgia rush that doesn't because it's not special anymore. It's not just yeah. a case of like input or controllers. It's a case of like, but you I don't know. Choose. Your life is different. You're different. Yeah, that's all true. That's all true. But I think you are definitely onto something there with that idea of like, yeah, you, you have all you had a bunch of games, but you kind of only had one game at a time in a sense. It was like you had the new game and that's right. the one you played the hell out of. And then you had other games. Maybe you went back to it once in a while or whatever. But then you got the new game and that was your sole focus because that's the new game. And you didn't get a lot of $60 games and there was no options. It's just whatever. Like maybe you asked for a specific game, you got it or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, that is. And then plus you had... 12 hours a day to do nothing but play games because nobody cared and they just let you play games all day. So that's also a different Everything world. is different. Yeah. You're, you're, you're uh, sort of like, you're focused on this one game that you played as being the cause of the happiness that you have in your head <laughs> from that time. But it's actually everything around in that context at that time and that little bit of a game. But because you were five years old, <laughs> all you know is that it's that one little bit of a game. But it, it doesn't. That's not what makes it click when you download that little bit of a game when you're 38 or whatever. Um, so it doesn't actually work. Well, that's but, even, with arcade games too. There's that extra thing of like you never actually played an arcade game for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? You had like you had six quarters, and that's what you had. And it's like okay, let me make this last as long as I can. These six quarters on Frogger or whatever game and. Yeah, so that that's like a whole different, and or like the sound of the whole place of the whole arcade. And <laughs> yeah, this that. reminds me. We went to Piers or whatever it was, and we went to Barcade. Oh yeah, and I'm like I haven't been, I I haven't been at an arcade for a quarter of a century now, like 25 years or something, and now I have money. And I went to the change machine. And I'm like, here's five dollars. Give me like a <laughs> fistful of like like more quarters than I could deal with. Yes. And I went home with sixteen dollars worth of quarters. <laughs> yeah, like, you put like a twenty in I there. I put a it's twenty like a in there. Quarters came out. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna go nuts. And like, I went home. I was like sixteen dollars worth of quarters in my pocket. <laughs> Yeah, and that had a good vibe to it because it was like there's drinking and it was dark and dirty and it was like a good vibe. There was all the old, I mean, it was original arcade games and it was like a, it was cool and it was fun. But it's like, yeah, that's a lot of quarters. Like you only ever had two bucks in quarters. And now <laughs> when you give yourself 20, you're like, what am I supposed to do with all these quarters? I don't know. Uh, so what have you been up to that's not video games? Work stuff. Anything mm. new? Anything well, new? Lots of new stuff on work stuff. Um... Where to begin, Butov? Where to begin? Uh, on the help spot front, we're getting ready. We're moving. So we originally built uh, help spot cloud on AWS, and we're moving that to Linode. Thanks, Linode, for sponsoring the show. Because um, it's going to save us a ton of money, and it's going to be faster, and it's going to be better. So we're getting close to actually doing that move, which will be fairly scary. But uh, Fidelipers on it, so I have the utmost confidence that it's going to go smoothly. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of like the big current project. 
uh, we we started doing more consulting um, where we've been doing kind of smaller consulting gigs for customers uh, to like just just to kind of we used to send those out to other consultants and we still will do that for like really big hairy ones which we don't want to take on but that's been kind of interesting to kind of get a little bit of workflow around that and uh, kind of, you know, it's nice for the sales process because somebody's like, well, we want to buy it, but we needed to do X, Y, Z. And <clears throat> just to be able to say, yeah, we can help you with that, you know, smooth that out. Um, so that's been kind of a new thing, which we started a little bit like middle of last year. And then there was been a number of them in the fall, early winter. So now I know I know you, so you're you're targeting some sweet spot because you're not gonna take the four hundred dollar projects, yeah, and you're not that. gonna take the twenty thousand dollar projects. Yeah, so your main criteria for these consulting projects is gonna be like scope, right? Absolutely, yeah. So like, basically, we're not gonna do anything that's less than like a thousand fifteen hundred dollars because it's just like. And by that, I might, it's just going to be, that's like the minimum, <laughs> no matter what you ask us to do, it's going to be at least a thousand dollars because, because really it is a thousand dollars by the time you, and you know, it's all the core developers working on it. We don't have like just some part-time person who does it. So you're taking away from HubSpot development. You're getting a very knowledgeable developer to do it. Um, there's a project management aspect to it. So, and you know, you know how it is. Like once you go back and forth with the customer three times, even on the simplest thing, like that's, you know, several hours of work plus the development time. Mm -hmm. So there really is nothing that's less than a thousand or $1,500 to begin with. And so that's kind of the baseline. And then, yeah, the, the most we've done right now, and this is, we've had the most of a not special case, we've had one special case, but the most of a not special case, I think, was like uh, eight or nine thousand, mm -hmm. and we did another one that was fifteen thousand. But that was <clears throat> kind of a this, that was kind of an experiment that's interesting to talk about too, because they wanted something like a big change, which really required a change in help spot, and it was something we've been wanting to do, but that it's kind of a big extensive change and so we just haven't we haven't gotten around to it um so essentially they paid us to this underlying sort of architectural change to help spot so i'd love we, to uh, jump five years in the future and see how much of your revenue comes from consulting because if you it's it's such an interesting dynamic because if you go back five years to Ontario and tell me that like if you take a look at a graph and the product revenue is just a blip compared to like the consulting revenue, like I wouldn't have believed you. Right. <laughs> and like, it, it looks like you're just starting out. Oh, we're doing these small things here and there, but like, like they keep coming, <laughs> you know, and they keep growing. You kind of keep coming. I think one of the things that'll be interesting to see is uh, kind of like what you got back to the scope. Another aspect of the scope is, like we only do help spot consulting. So we're not doing anything else. Like if you, hey, could you also build this custom CRM thing or right. whatever? Like we're only doing things that directly associate either, either elements of help spot that are built to be customized and we're doing that for you or things like uh, some system that needs to integrate with help spot, things like that. But nothing, no freestanding aspects or anything like that. Um, so so that's kind of another interesting constraint that might limit some of that in terms of like, we're not going to have like a $200,000 thing where we build some big 
back end, whatever, whatever site. Um, but yeah, that it is interesting. Like, like I was doing a budget for next year, which we should also talk about because I've I don't think I've ever done a true budget before, but I did like a legit every single line of our PL budget for next year. And I was like, how much should I put in for consulting? I have no idea. Like I think this year it's probably like thirty thousand or something along those lines, or maybe a little bit more. Uh so next year. But I don't have like faith in it because it's not I yeah, know I haven't had faith in it for five <laughs> years. Know, right? exactly. <laughs> so it's like I don't know. Do I put it? I don't want to like put it in a hundred thousand because that seems like we'd really have to push to like make that happen. And but then I, I know it's going to be more than nothing. So I think I just left it at like twenty or thirty thousand because I figured, well, whatever. We'll just see what happens. But yeah, it's like oh man, I. That's the downside of the consulting. Now I see why everybody wants SaaS app because if you have to plan out next year, who the hell knows what's coming? I don't know. When do, when people yep. show up, we'll find out. But it's yeah, like you I, can't you can't treat it. It'd be nice to treat it as like a discretionary, like whatever it comes, it comes type of a thing. But then when it gets to certain numbers, you can't treat it that way anymore because yeah. <laughs> now it's real money. But it's real money that you don't know whether it's going to be there tomorrow or not. It's it's just a weird thing. It's worse that it it doesn't like really dry up like you keep doing it and it it's keeps growing it's better no it's worse because <laughs> you start relying on it whether you like it or not but it's not reliable i'm gonna try to do something that we've talked about you i think in the past trying to do a little bit which is one of the things i i'm gonna try to do is i'm i haven't been ready to do this yet because we're so busy but at some point here in like the first quarter of next year, I think I want to try to do – we haven't pushed this at all to existing customers. We basically just left it at new customers. Like if it comes up that they need something weird, we mention it. Or existing customers who come to us and say, hey, we want to do this weird thing. Um, and then, yeah, we say, yeah, we can help you or whatever. So, But we haven't like emailed all the customers and said, hey, you know, we do this. And if you have something custom you want done, we can do it. So it could be interesting to do that and then see like if we get a good chunk of them all at once, like take that money and do like hire another developer or right. whatever, like build it out into something that's self-sustaining. Cause then if we had the developer that just did that, then we could make it, it would be, it would feel more comfortable to make it more part of our regular shtick with everybody that like, Hey, don't forget we could do this right now. It's always trying to balance that. I don't want to have too many of these because Every week we spend on that is a week we're not making HelpSpot better, or at least, you know, where one of the developers is off um, doing something else instead of something on HelpSpot. So it would also be interesting to see. I don't know how you would get this information, but when you go around to all your customers and, and say, we're doing this now, and <clears throat> presumably they've, they've been wanting to do some custom work that you haven't been around to do, so they have they've already done it through some other means internally or through some, some third party or whatever. Right. And then seeing if there's like a consistent thing that like a significant portion of them built that you weren't around to build. And right. maybe that's like an indicator that maybe you should be building with that. Yeah, those. that is interesting. That's kind of what's happened a few times already a little bit more by their questions and the things they want done. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, and another aspect to the consulting which uh, is kind of interesting. And this would be something that would be nice to ramp up because it's more universal and in theory doesn't take away from development time too much is 
we've only had we've had one we have one kind of quote out on this type of consulting, but we haven't uh, we haven't actually done one yet. But it, where it's more just like pure consulting, like come into our help spot and optimize it like reorganize our categories like help Mm -hmm. us with our business processes help us with our help desk processes like you know and there's multiple levels to that right there's like your help desk processes that are in help spot but then there's also your help desk processes that are in the physical world so i don't think we're ready to go out to that second layer yet because then you get into probably having to go on site yeah that sounds awesome though that's like that's like user escape building up our customer service department Right, at least help, right. That would be kind of cool, but also like a huge thing. So I don't know if we're ready for that. But even if it's just the help spot part, it's like, oh yeah, like why do you have all these crazy triggers? We can optimize that, or you're doing this thing manually. Like we can see in here and just do discussions with you. But we could use a trigger to automate that, so you never have to do that manually again. Or things like that that we could um, optimize for people and stuff. So I think that's something that would potentially be applicable to a lot of the customers. Uh, Get Look more at all deep that. into that. Building up a whole consulting wing for the company. I See, I'm, I'm loath to do that. So uh, that's why that part I haven't pushed. Again, that, the one we were talking about with a customer is an existing customer. Um, and they kind of came to us with it. So we were like, yeah, like we could do it. But so I'm kind of using that one. I'm kind of hoping that one happens so that it can be the test bed for what's actually involved in that. And maybe we could do more yeah with that sooner or later somebody's gonna come around there's like i'm giving you this much money but eric is busy and chris is busy <laughs> and and ian forgot how to code 20 years ago <laughs> so we're gonna have to put somebody on this oh man it's always more to do <laughs> it's always more more things would you but... take would you take up a project if eric and chris are busy oh yeah i would I mean, I've been doing my, the other thing that's going on is I've been doing actually more coding and stuff lately. Kind of a, a new little side project thing for us, but I would do a help swap project. Sure, like that's the problem. And Matt, who is our main customer service person, he also uh, programs a bit, and okay. so for a lot of things, depending on what exactly it is, he could do it also uh, as other responsibilities. And he's also kind of runs the project management management part of it right now, so. Uh, but for some things, he would he would be able to work on it as well. But yeah, I mean, I would definitely do it. If, uh, That's fine. If you're if you're still itching, if you're still itching to code, then you could hold out for a while if you're willing to. Yeah, because I could jump in yeah. if needed. And we do have flexible. I mean, Health Slot's a very established product, so it's not totally killer if we push it. You know, if the next release gets delayed a couple of weeks, it's not it's not the end of the world type of thing, and we're not in that environment where like every day we have to get that release out. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we got to the point where these are very regular, then yeah, then always just pulling developers out of it wouldn't be optimal. So that would be something where having somebody dedicated to it would, or at least partially dedicated to it, like where their primary job is the consulting and then secondarily they work on HelpSpot or whatever, they do something else. But I don't know. I kind of don't want to hire anybody right now. I mean, we were looking at hiring some people and I couldn't find anybody. And that just got me like feeling frumpy about the whole thing. So I'm like, oh, yeah, you were like in the middle of a pile of resumes last we checked, right? Yeah. You were hiring for something. Yeah. Yeah. We had a developer role I was looking to hire for, but eh, it's not (laughs) critical. And it's like, you know, we have a nice group now. 
you throw somebody in there that doesn't work. You don't want to have that. You don't want to make a mistake there. And we're not so overwhelmed that, I mean, we, don't, we probably are overwhelmed, but it's not, um, I don't know. It just felt like I, I don't want to hire the person unless they're absolutely perfect. And which is a tough, you don't really want to have, that's a hard attitude to have, but <clears throat> I don't know. So maybe in the middle of next year, I could see it happening. But right now I'm going to wait a little bit longer. This week, Bootstrapped is sponsored by Linode. Um, if you're looking for virtual machine hosting, uh, you definitely ought to check out Linode. They have eight data centers. Um, all the plan, the base plan starts at two gigabytes of RAM, and it goes up from there into very large servers. Really straightforward pricing, 10 bucks a month um, to start. And that's actually built hourly. So if you want to spin up a, a server just to play around with a side project and spin it back down, you're only going to pay, uh, you know, for the fraction of, of time you used on that. Um, they recently switched uh, from Zen to KVM and have seen, you know, 300% performance increases uh, with the servers uh, we use at Userscape um, run on Linode. And we did that conversion. And it's amazing. We were able to actually lower... Uh, the size of many of our servers down to just the base two gigabyte server because they're just ridiculously fast now. So that's really been awesome. It's all a uh, 40 gig uh, network. It's all modern Intel processors. It's all native SSD storage, 24 seven, 365 support, uh, seven day money back guarantee. If you don't like it, which I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, again, I've been hosted there for I don't even know how long, five years or more, um, with about 10 servers. Andre uses it as well. Uh, so definitely, definitely highly recommend Linode. Um, and uh, they've actually given us a, an offer code, bootstrapped20. So if you use that code, you'll get 20 bucks off um, when you sign up for an account in Linode. So basically, uh, you can get your first two months for free, uh, or even if you're only using it for partial months, it could be last you longer than that, obviously. So definitely check that out. Offer code bootstrapped20. And we'll have that in the show notes uh, as well as a link right to that. That that applies a discount for you. So go ahead and just check it out in the show notes. Click on it. Um, our big, big thanks to Linode for always being a huge supporter of the show. And uh, I really can't highly recommend them enough. We use them for uh, everything at Userscape. And uh, it's been, been rock solid. So thanks a lot to Linode for sponsoring the show. All right. Sounds what else good. is going on in Utah world? I have other stuff, but I'm just consulting update. stuff. Just finished a big project and that I've been doing since like July, and um, a bunch of other smaller projects that we finished up. I've had like zero, aside from Quintu that was released this year, zero time to work on project work, which is kind of sucky because you keep working on these. Um, you keep working for a long time with clients. And you kind of go into their companies and you see how like unrelated systems work and other software they're working on and not that they're working on, they're working with. Right. And you see how all of these processes are broken and inefficient <laughs> and whatever. And you all, the whole time you're just getting all these ideas for new things that you could be building that uh, you're never going to build because you don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> now, you finished your big project, though, so your big consulting project, so you do have other things lined up already? Or? Well, they might have another one just as big for the Android port for that thing oh, that I just finished. And, <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of stuff that needed to be put in the back burner for the release to happen, so there's probably a couple of months at least worth of those things that need to go in. So I'm sure there's years and years of work oh my still. Goodness. So now do you feel like in this, we're working so much for one big client. Are you inclined to want to say, Hey, like just hire me, like 
So I'll give me some stock. And since this is a startup-y kind of thing, I believe. So it always comes up um, after a couple of months of working. It's not, this is not the first client. Like it came up with other clients too. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, they will, they will come up to you and like, like, what's the deal with these $20,000 invoices? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you have me working like 80 hour weeks. Right. I'm like, all right, so can we just put you on the payroll? And I'm like, okay, so I want this amount of money. And I never hear from them again. And they just keep paying the $20,000 invoices. Um, but in reality, yeah, I mean, they, they sort of, there's just like a, a sort of a sticker shock there, I guess, to where uh, they need, I mean, they know how much I'm not like, everything yeah. is open on the table. They know how much my rates are. They know how much they want me to work for. And, you know, sometimes they start off and saying, you know, we're limiting you to 10 hours a week because that's what we're looking to fill. And then that's fine. But then like, oh, you know, we like what you're doing. So we have this release coming out. So please work as much as possible. <laughs> like, well, as much, I could be working literally like 80 hour weeks if you want. Like, yeah, sure. Right. Sitting in front of the TV, work, you know, the, the, whatever you have a free minute, work. And I'm like, fine. Next month, here's a $23,000 invoice. <laughs> and like, and after a couple of those, there's like a realization that like, Yes, we like the work, and yes, we we want the hours that you're putting in. But you know, you take your rate and you multiply by the hours, you get this huge number. Right. Um, and it's not sort of like there's nothing unfair about it. It's math. It's right. just sort of like it is a big number. So <clears throat> maybe we could approach you with a salary, but then you know that sort of salary sort of depends on what your take on a fair salary sort of depends on. Um, where you are as a boss and if you're in somewhere in the midwest or something and a a developer even a senior developer is making like eighty five thousand dollars a year well guess what as a new york developer that's not going to fly with me especially because at my current rate i'm literally making like north of you know a quarter million dollars or whatever a year just on consulting if i do full time um so it just there's no it's weird there's no they they don't have a leg to stand on. They have no leverage in the negotiation. They have a need for the developer. The developer is working out great for them. Uh, they're fine with the developer's rate on paper, but when it comes down to actually paying <laughs> invoices, it's a lot of money. So they want to say, come work for us, but you don't really have, I don't need the benefits package. I pay my own insurance. I don't, like there's literally nothing you could do to make it worthwhile for me Especially if you're like VC backed and a startup, you don't have a you know 200 year old company that's gonna stay around that will all of a sudden guarantee me full time employment for the rest of my life. You can't offer me that. You 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 literally don't have any leverage to say here are the benefits for you to join us full time. And at first when that started happening, my wife and I were really excited because we we're like, well, this this has been. these past few invoices have been a lot of money and it's really cool that we're stabilizing and all that. Um, But, you know, they're going to go away and uh, maybe it's good to join them, you know, to get like, and it's like a serious pay cut. That's like less than half of what you would do as billable hours. If you take this full-time job. Yeah. And um, maybe you should take this full-time job because there's stability and this, whatever, but the stability doesn't exist. Uh, because there's still a company what? and uh, that, that's hiring and firing people all the time. And yeah. uh, just because you're under some umbrella of full-time employment as opposed to consultantship, well, 
there's no stability there either because I have other clients that I just put on hold to do your project. So if you think I'm not providing value anymore, that's fine. You know, we'll go our separate ways and I'll move on to my other clients that I'm providing value for. So you can't offer me stability. Your benefits package is not enough because I'm, there's like, a few thousand dollars worth of stuff there. Well, and you've already figured that out. Like you right. already, you know what I mean? Like you already have this business established for a long time. You, like those benefits aren't that, you're already right. paying all that stuff and you got right. it worked out. So. so after a few of these, you could see the warning signs of the client approaching and say, well, maybe they approach yeah. you as a very happy thing because to them, it's like they think doing you a favor. They're doing me a favor. They're like, oh, we got exciting news for you. Let's jump on a call. We'd we'd love you for you to join our family with a full benefits package, with a full but but look, I'm laying it out on the table for you. I'm not hiding anything. These are the circumstances right now. This is for me, my take home is this because you're not realizing that I have other clients. Yeah. You have a pipeline which also affects like you're more established and so that is impacted. And the other thing, the other biggest benefit that they could give you that would make a big difference that is the exact opposite thing these startups want, which is that they're not going to give you a, they want, they have you working 80 hours a week and they want you to keep working 80 hours a week, but just for less money. Right. They're not saying come work here for, Hey, do your 40 hours a week. And it is going to be a little bit less money than just a freelance rate, which is of course standard, but Hey, you're just working 40 hours a week. The rest of the time, you don't even have to, you don't have to think about getting new clients. You don't have to think about anything. You could just be off those other hours and do whatever you want. And that's a more appealing, you know, there's a better trade-off there. But the trade-off of just take less money and still work 80 hours right. doesn't really make, that's not a good trade-off. <laughs> that's, like you are getting something if you're only working a regular work week. And but that's not what they want. Time. They don't want right. that, right? <laughs> they still want uh, the full workload. Eight right. hours for less money. So, right. Right. So that's that's not a good trade-off. So, so at, yeah, a point, at a certain point, the only avenue of recourse they have in the negotiation is that if you don't take it, we'll fire you, right. which is just a fantastic position to start off a relationship with. <laughs> You're automatically completely antagonistical to to yeah. uh, the, 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 the other person in the conversation. So it just, you know, you just start noticing these patterns of the client coming up to you and you're saying, uh-oh, this is going to be an uncomfortable situation because... I, I'm hoping I'll recognize it maybe. Well, we already reached a point where, you know, we put enough away to, to, to say we could have a dry spell and we're fine. But yeah. if that's not the case, and I'm hoping I'll be able to see the last one as for what it is, that it could actually be the last one and I'll take that one as a full-time position. But <laughs> that's just that's just fortune telling. You, you just don't know. So. so if it was like a job at like Omni Group or some, you know, established iOS, Mac, house kind of thing, like that also is a different, that does give you the more stability too. Whereas the startup is like, well, I'm just, I'm just taking this pay cut and I'm probably still going to be out of a job in eight months because what's the chance you're right. Right. Thing is actually because, like, I know, like, so I know your pipeline. I know there's going to be at most a year's worth of work here more. Right. And then what's afterwards? Afterwards, are you going to have me on some sort of a schedule where it makes more sense for you to have me at that 10 hour cap for a week. Cause I'm doing maintenance Yeah. or, or you just not going to need me anymore anyway. So what's the benefit at all for me to switching over for a year's worth of full-time position? It's just, it, there's, there's no negotiation there. There's no give and take. There's just, everything is, there's no benefit at all to switching over. Yeah. Interesting. So, but so you, you know, go. entirely so based, so we're changing the topic, though. For, mm -hmm. So what about your products? What about, are we going to see an Antair mobile app, a new one? 
a little thing. How about something little? I wanted to, to do something on the side that would make no money at all, um, but I just don't have the time. And that one would have like a mobile component to it. Mm. Um, I just don't have any time. It just sucks. My wife went to, you know, we had the Christmas stuff mm. for, for, for Ethan at home. And then he went to his grandparents to get more gifts for the Hanukkah stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> gotta cover all the bases. That's how he does things. Yeah. So uh, during that one day they were away, I, you know, <clears throat> the clients are off. So I had a day off. Um, and I'm like, all right, like beer, pizza, and video games. Or <laughs> if not that, at least like. Um, at least beer at least a side project or something you know like right. start a new github repo or something to be. <laughs> um and uh nothing i worked i worked for like seven hours on stuff that i knew was gonna come up after the the client opened up and then i got a headache so i played some stupid ipad game in bed and then i fell asleep and that's just fantastic there's a fantastic way of giving away one literal day of the year that i have no responsibilities so I lost the ability to relax. <laughs> um, so it, it sucked. In did retrospect, work, what did you work on for seven hours? Because you, you the back burner stuff that's going to come up after the the clients uh, comes back up after the holidays. Just on their stuff. That's horrible. I mean, seven hours of horrible uh, hours. Work gets you. The work gets you. It's like it's just sitting there over your head. You're like, well, I could get ahead of that. I could work on that thing. Yeah. Terrible. That is terrible. So the, you had a whole so, glorious day with no family, no nobody. You naked pizza slathered all over your chest, grease <laughs> pouring so, beers over your head. So, the, so what was I going to say? Oh, so that's the other reason for the audience why we we started taking on so many interview shows because, like, I have nothing to report. Like, I can't <laughs> talk about any of the client stuff, and and Ian just has this one big company that that's growing and growing so you know next week it'll be slightly better shaped than it is this week so but there's true. nothing <laughs> I wish that was true so uh but there's nothing new and interesting like startup-y bootstrap-y type of thing to do on the show so well, compensating with guests well i think also the thing is our time is a little bit tricky for us to work out the time and so we were doing one show a month and it felt like, well, why can't we have shows in between that? Like, we, why can't we do this one show of us catching up and doing our catch-ups? But in between one show a month we've been doing, do something else interesting. And since we can schedule those a little bit, a little bit more flexible, because us doing three of us catching up in one week, that doesn't make any sense. Right, right. So we could do a catch-up show for us and then do a couple interviews and put those kind of throughout to fill in the holes between our, uh, our catch-up shows. So... I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I, I like it because I like it. It gets us uh, some other stuff to chat about and, uh, uh, you know, uh, learn some stuff from these other folks who are doing interesting things. So I think so far so good, but we will uh, see see how they keep going. I like the interview shows. I like them. So, and uh, it kind of gets us in the podcasting zone too, where, I mean, there's been times we've gone more than a month without podcasting. So I feel like it kind of keeps us, by us being able to release a show every week, it kind of keeps uh, it front of mind for us, which I think is is good also. Um, oh, I have done a little VR yesterday because that my well, one day off. Playing or coding? Playing. Mm, how was that? Because I usually I can't do more than like a couple of minutes because I have to do it after Ethan goes to bed because he can't like be inside another universe while this universe <laughs> is active. Um, I tried this uh, 
plank thing where they they put a plank on top of the skyscraper and you're supposed to walk out on it. Mm. <clears throat> um, and you watch the videos of these people, and uh, they're all going nuts, like falling to the floor and right. just they they can't handle it. And you're like, whatever, dude, you're in your bedroom standing on the carpet. <laughs> but you don't like things have gotten way more real in the VR space. Like it's progressing at a faster clip than you think it is, especially when you don't uh, put on the helmet uh, often enough, so frequently enough. So uh, they, it's not that they start you off at the top of a building on a plank and there's like rectangles representing cars. Mm. They put you in the middle of Manhattan on the ground, which is realistic, like not mm. cartoony, like realistic. So you're already there. There's wind there's beeping horns there's people talking it's it's you're there and you're fine with being there and then you turn around and there's an elevator <laughs> <laughs> and you go inside the it's the little process of getting to the top of the building that gets you engrossed in you being there if you were just mm. spawned at the top of a building i'm like whatever i was here at my office half a second ago and i'm at the top of a building i could sort of display <laughs> displace belief it's the process of getting to the roof. It's the standing in front of an elevator. The glass wall of the elevator faces outside of the building. So mm. you, you're going up and you're seeing the progression of you going up to the 80th floor, whatever it is. And then when you step out, the fucking board creaks. Oh. <laughs> it's not like it's, it's not like standing on your, you're wearing headphones that are, uh, noise canceling headphones so your world is gone you don't right. see underneath the thing if the thing is on your face flat against your eyes you don't see any light coming through the sides or through the bottom like it used to be with the development kits so you're there mm. you're still hearing sounds that are exactly what you would hear if you were on the 80th floor of Manhattan <laughs> building um, you're here you're seeing billboards that are slightly at your height now that you would have to look all the way up to see from the bottom it is created to completely immerse you and i could not step out of that fucking elevator get out of here i swear i ripped the helmet <laughs> off i looked on the ground i'm standing there with my batman slippers on in my office on my on my um rug nothing around me i'm perfectly fine to walk 10 feet in front of me i put on the helmet i could not make one step out on the on the plank wow it is it is like my child was in danger at the end of the plank inside a VR game. I would not be able to take a step inside the VR game. It is ridiculous. And that, that sort of stuff is what makes me think VR is not going to go away anytime soon because, like, everything in my logical brain is telling me you're being stupid and you're at home. And absolutely every sense that I have in my physical body is telling me is screaming at me that you're at the top of the building with this plank in front of you because there's <laughs> air rushing through and like my my ears and and there's like beeping down there at just the right sort of pitch that indicates that it's way down there the, and the thing is creaking and it's just like it's it, you you're standing at the top of the building and there's a wooden plank in front of you and oh to make it worse goodness. there's a little there's a little flag six feet in front of you at the end of the plank with a bell on it and all you have to do is go out there and ring the bell 
Isn't that See, crazy? You, a year ago on this podcast or more, you were talking about this. You should be building VR stuff. You this that's not even a hard game to build. It's just I, I'm sure it's, it's a ridiculously difficult game to build <laughs> because now it's no longer even. First of all, I don't know I know how to build games, but assuming I know how to build games and I could build a shitty game, all of a sudden this becomes a completely different um, dimension of requirement because it's no longer it's no longer 3D with good graphics and it's no longer even like 3d with good graphics and that elusive fun factor that nobody can pin down now it's those things plus it has to be immersive which is like a whole other area of i'm sure academic study and research that i have no idea what's going on but there's something between like the shitty ones that people in their bedrooms release and they're the ones that appear in the top lists of all the, like the VR forums, like this Plank thing, which is not a game. There's nothing to it. It's right. literally a, pl- <laughs> but it is at the top of every list because like you will have a fucking heart attack trying to do this. It's like ridiculous. Is it, uh, is it paid or no? I think it's like ten bucks or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're making some money on it at least. I don't think there's enough headsets in the wild for them to. Yeah, make they're money not for this. making a killing, but. Yeah. Huh. So- they're definitely a lot of them are definitely like except for the Sony VR. A lot of them are definitely one man project type of size type of things. It's just a yeah. matter of whether you get that get that little thing that clicks with the audience or or, or it doesn't. That's why if you on. keep it small and tight and just know exactly what you're going for, it's a lot better than going for these like I'm building Minecraft in VR. Yeah, that's that's a huge project, right? It has to be like yeah, an elevator and a plank. Like right. that's it. That's the whole game. Right. So. But with a lot of detail, like it's not even the programming, I'm sure it was nothing. It's more the like graphics and the rendering and making right. sure it's, it's all like perfect. The, the all audio. of it to make you feel like you're there. Yeah. yeah. So. Hmm. You got to try it out. You got to come over and try it out. You say it's yeah, only two hours here. for you to get here, which is like all I could see is you fucking loony tuning through the highway system of New York, oh. a thousand miles an hour. We got to the restaurant <laughs> down by your house in an hour and 15, 20 minutes. That's and so what, crazy. it's another 10, 20 minutes to your house that time? Come on. So, we have to go to that restaurant again, by the way. <clears throat> That's so much. Get down here. You'll try some VR stuff. I got a ton of VR stuff. I don't know why I keep downloading and doing this to myself. <laughs> I can't get through any of them because they're all scary. There's this one that's like you in a haunted house, which is a million, a million of them where it's you in a haunted house. Sure. Um, and they give you a gun and they give you a flashlight. <laughs> and if this oh, was a video game on a screen, you're like, whatever, dude, gun and the flashlight. Point the flashlight, point the gun, shoot the zombie in the head. It's all over. But when you're standing in a room and guns are not that complicated, they could make a gun look exactly like a real gun. The The controllers that you're holding are, are held in a position similar to what you would be holding if you were holding a weapon. So the only difference is that the controller you're holding is plastic. And I don't know what a real gun feels like. Maybe it feels more like plastic than like metal, but whatever. Um, but it... The controllers has haptic feedback, so they will give you feedback, touch feedback, right? So when you load that thing and you, whatever you, it's called, when you put a bullet in and you go click, click, no. you feel all of that through your hand. So that gun uh. might as well be a real gun. Your flashlight is plastic, just like the controller you're holding is plastic. You could hold it like pointing with your thumb out like a dork, or you could flip it and point it 
and put it on top of your gun as you point the gun. So you have the gun and the flashlight on top of it, <laughs> pointing towards where you're shooting. And you feel like a total badass <laughs> until that thing appears behind you and you wet your pants. Because <laughs> it's not like a video game on the screen at all. Like these mm. things have... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the thing that doesn't translate to a screen that that kills you in VR is that they have a position in space and a volume that's completely relatable to what you uh to your body in real space. Right. Yeah, yeah. So so on a screen you have a zombie, the zombie could be rushing at you really quickly and be really scary and do that whole the ring thing where the, you know appears in a freakish way and it, it might give you a jolt. They don't have to do jolts in VR because that thing is there in the room right. with you. It's not like a representation of the thing on the screen. It's taking a volume. You could walk around it. You could look under it. You could sit down on the floor. Everything positionally where it is is in relation to where you are. Mm. So it doesn't have to be super real because, you know, zombies don't exist. It just has to exist in the space where you are. And VR is all about being able to put stuff in the space where you are and that makes a simple zombie game ridiculously scary because it's not about the fact that oh he's not going to do anything to you he's a cartoon and he approaches you it's about the fact that he's able to physically approach you that he can't do on the screen but he could totally do in vr you see it's not about the threat it's about yeah. the fact that you're there it, it's the fact that you can't he's escape physically there right it's about the fact that you cannot <laughs> escape it's just like a, when a real person comes up behind you and you're like, oh, and you get startled because they're real and they're behind you. Right. Even though they might not represent anything scary, it's the fact right. that all of a sudden you're you're incapable of separating yourself from the threat. Your personal space has been right. violated by right. a giant zombie-like thing. Right. So there's a whole bunch of these little experiences in VR. Somebody asked me the other day, like, what's the best VR game that I could play? Well, the, the answer is they all suck. <laughs> but it's not the fact. They all suck as games, but they're all – such such unique things that you would never be able to as experiences you would never be able to get them anywhere else yeah this seems like there's still a little way to go in terms of actual gaming but right now it's more of a it's a yeah unique experience or it's some kind it's something to be aware of and check out even though it might not be you're not going to spend a lot of time on it right now in terms of re your relaxation time or whatever but you could see it's going that way right right so anyway we spent way, way more on VR than anything else. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Come on over. Let's wrap it up. I'll get the helmet on you. You'll play with some ah, VR. Yeah. I got to get down there. That sounds like it would make me crazy. I'm not too good with the feeling disoriented, so <laughs> it's not my favorite thing, but I uh, will try it just to see. We'll start out. I don't know if we'll start with the plank. Maybe we start out with something. Uh, oh, the plank's probably a good one because it's not really that. It's, it's not like spinning you around, making you dizzy. It's more just the... Uh, it's interesting to at least know what kind of person you are, whether you yeah. think your rational mind could overpower your right. sort of Can like, I walk out onto yeah. that plank or not? Right. Were you tempted to close your eyes and walk out and you then can't. open your eyes? You can't. It's the, the audible. Everything audible tells you you're up there. That's the way they designed it. You hear the wind going by. You hear the but cars just below you. see what would happen, you close your eyes, get out there by the bell, open your eyes and see what it's like to look down without having to do the actual walk. I don't know. Cheap. I guess. I'll try it. I mean, people have been cheating. And if you watch the videos, they get down on all fours. <laughs> they right. just crawl on the floor. Well, that's not really cheating. If you do that, but you still actually have your eyes open and walk out there, then that's not really cheating to me because you I might really do that on a plank, you know? Yeah, maybe. But you feel more of the surface around you than you would in a yeah. smaller plank. Like your carpet. Is, right. You got to do it on the hardwood floor. 
right. it might be more real then if you're crawling out on your hardwood floor. So fun stuff. Anyway, all right, we're all done. Right, man. We'll catch up again later. All right, sounds good. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.